Hi, this is Maggie Rose, and you're listening to Salute the Songbird on Osiris Media. I started this podcast to showcase women in music who inspire me and who I want folks everywhere to know about. My guests are icons in contemporary music, independent artists, studio musicians, hit songwriters, and power players behind the scenes. All of them challenging the status quo, respecting the hustle, and leading the way for women following in their footsteps. Salute the Songbird is a platform for women in music to share their stories and let their voices be heard. And everyone has a seat at the table. Welcome. Hey, everybody. I usually like to have these chats with you before my conversations with my guests in anticipation of them and to let you know where my head's at. But with Mickey, I had to do it a little bit differently because I found out the day after she and I spoke that she received a Grammy nomination for Black Like Me. And she totally deserves that nod of recognition because she's been working so hard for so many years But she and I are also very close, so this conversation is wonderfully candid and also a little bit heavy at times. And on a personal note, I knew going into it that there would be topics that would be a little uncomfortable to discuss. But I also didn't get into music myself to be political, but I would be remiss, like so many other artists, if I hadn't commented on the state of things going on around us. And I've heard comments like, shut up and sing and things like that. But Mickey so gracefully walks us through her experience as being a black country singer and a female in this industry. And I think everyone should listen with sympathetic ears. Enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. But also, I know you're going to walk away with a little bit more compassion and a whole lot more appreciation for Mickey Guyton. We are good. All right. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this. And especially with all the wonderful and exciting and scary things going on in your life. Uh, Girl, this baby is, it's wild. What's the due date? February 12th. That's so exciting. That's so soon. I know. I know. Can you believe that? He's going to be a little Aquarius. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I'm excited and terrified. There's so much I yeah. want to talk about with you. Yeah. It's so great to see your beautiful face. and It's great to see you. Welcome to Salute the Songbird. Well, thank you. This is the year of Mickey Guyton, so. Lord almighty. I don't know how that happened. What do you mean? <laughs> I think everyone has come to know your name this year, even though you've been... Uh- in Nashville for over a decade, toiling Jeez. away. I've seen how hard you've been working. I mean, and, uh, it goes both of us. We both have been just freaking hitting that pavement, you know, just trying to create opportunities where there are none. We have been through it for sure. Well, we salute you and the pregnant Sorry, woman. I got, I got pain in the belly. Yeah. For those of uh, you listening... That's the sound of Mickey Guyton in pain. Her baby boy. He puts his feet in my rib and it mm-hmm. hurts so bad. I'm so sorry. Well, he's okay. ready to come out. <laughs> he's going to be strong like his mama. That pain. You carry it well. You, you know you. something about pain. So this is nothing new. This is 2020. Thank you. <laughs> Staying on yeah. its bullshit right now. Yes, yes it is. Ugh, damn it. Whew. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so this year you've released Bridges and I'm so excited to talk about how that came to be musically yeah. and all the challenges you had with the pandemic. You have uh, found out that you're going to be a mother for the first time. In fact, I think we were talking in June and you had just released Black Like Me. Yeah. And you didn't you find out like the day after something crazy dramatic like that? So four days later, I found out I was pregnant. Yes. Oh, my God. And you just were you just released this song that had yeah. been around for a while, correct? Yeah, it had been, been around for a year. And when I released this song, Black Like Me, I was so terrified at the way the response was going to be. And if you think we I was kind of locked up in my room for 
four days. I just, you know, we are confined in these spaces and it's kind of safe, it's a safe space for me. So I was just terrified. There was so much unknown for a song like that that was so true to me, which is crazy to think that having a song called Black Like Me could possibly have a whole bunch of backlash and it did. Right. There was there were some people that were very upset that were It's hardly a controversial idea to suggest that someone empathize with you. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. You were scared to put something out that was truthful that you had yeah. been holding on to for a while that you knew mm-hmm. your label loved but they were afraid of. Yeah. the response and They didn't know what to do with it. There was so many unknowns with that song and and this moment and I was mm-hmm. literally just in my room for four days terrified because I didn't know how people were going to respond and then once I emerged from my room like whoo right it's not so bad I find out I'm pregnant and it was like what the hell is this that kind of puts everything into perspective I imagine. it does yeah. it did it has oh my god oh my god yeah well, it was it was just so exciting, and I thought that you took it into your own hands when you just released it yourself because the time was then, yeah. and it was only yeah. then with George Floyd's murder and uh, Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. And, and I wrote that song before those... Who'd you write it with? I wrote it with Nathan Chapman, Frazier Churchill, and a woman named Emma Didi. Mm-hmm. And... I wrote that song because I had seen all the murders of countless other people like Botham Jean and Tamir Rice and all of these people that are murdered just so unjustly, whether you think that they're, they had the, the best life or they lived and were model citizens, they didn't deserve to die. And even a song like this, while I was on tour with Brad Paisley and was trying to figure out my life in Nashville, singing in front of Confederate flags. And mm-hmm. I've been called the N-word at shows. I had saw police brutality against my own husband. Right. I had heard about that. You told me and about it was, that. It was truly, it was on a 4th of July. And I'll never forget, uh, Karen had called the cops and said we were shooting fireworks into her home. Oh, that yeah. sounds like something you would do. Yeah, right? <laughs> Not at all. You know? Yeah, no. In your busy schedule. <laughs> In my busy schedule. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And there was false accusations and it was so horrible. And these cops were like, you're not a lawyer. That's not your car parked in the driveway. This isn't your house. That's insane. Yeah. And he is a lawyer. <laughs> and He is a lawyer. That was our car. That right. was our home. And it was because it was a nice car and yeah. there was speculation that this yeah. ignorant person decided mm-hmm. to voice. And I came from a I came from a place where like if you're doing the right thing, nothing like that'll ever happen to you. And we were doing the right thing and that happened to us. And it was devastating. I want to talk about where you came from and your path to country music. And yeah, I met you back in 2011, right when you had moved to Nashville for the first mm-hmm. time. We were at Nellie Joy Reeves' yes, house. Yes, at her and house. All these women, female artists from Nashville. And it was just a really great evening where I think we came together. And it was where the spark of these conversations was really yeah. igniting because the disproportionate ratio of men to women on country radio was so apparent, had been for a while. And Rita Wilson mm-hmm. was doing a song called Girls Night In, I believe. Yeah. So that was how yeah. the video was captured. And Stephanie Chapman made you go to bed early because you were going to be on the Today Show the next day. And yes! Like, you know, you had this big push behind you and I've always yeah. had a powerful voice, but well, why do you say that? <laughs> why do you do the app? Because <laughs> you can have these powerful pushes behind you and still not get the same opportunities because you're a woman. <laughs> right. Exactly. And you, and you had Capitol records behind you. Yeah. Nathan Chapman, Dan Huff. These are names that you know, yeah. Carrie Underwood and Taylor Swift have, have worked with. And you kind of had the music row 
red carpet treatment mm -hmm. and you have the talent, you, you deserve that attention, but did you almost feel like that those first records were you having to play the game to be able Absolutely. to grant yourself more power to then do later on what you wanted to do? Absolutely. It was in that time when I first moved to Nashville, this common conversation in every room was, we've got to make sure she's really country. Uh -huh. Because people are going to think that she's not genuine. Right. And as I'm hearing these things being said to me, I wrote with that in my head. It was like, it was like, you're told what you're supposed to write and what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you know, Sam Hunt is wearing flat build hats and trap beats in his songs and mm -hmm. completely benefiting off of black culture who has not right. said black lives matter, by the way, who has not come out and said anything, by the way. The silence is deafening. Yeah. I have to say when I look at the country community. And you know, I love Nashville, but there's reasons that I feel like I've sort of untangled myself and my music from that framework sometimes. Yeah, because absolutely. It's like what you said when you're on tour with Brad Paisley, who thank you, Brad, for taking you out and supporting you, but you look out in the crowd and they don't all really look like you. And you feel like, why am I having to say what you think I should say to be validated as country when I'm from Arlington, Texas, and I grew up listening to Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. And I, I actually, and I actually lived in Crawford, Texas. If you want to get <laughs> so really technical, <laughs> exactly, it was gravel dirt roads. It was in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Country, like I, my neighborhood subdivision was right next door to at the time Governor George W. Bush's ranch. Mm. And so I lived in this kind of world and here I am now in 2012 and 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, trying to prove to people that I'm country. And the glaring question that we're not asking is why did they feel so desperate to prove that point? What did they think that their opposition was? I think they were trying to protect me. I don't mm -hmm. think it came from a malicious space. It was more of like they knew these people, they knew this audience or thought they knew these people, mm -hmm. thought they knew this audience and didn't want anybody to, to come at me in a mean, malicious way because I am black. So they're like, so if we just go over the top with it, they can't, they can't say anything. Right. But then I got met with, well, just because she's black doesn't mean she has to sing that country. Mm. And those were the things that were being told to me. From, Not enough, too much. Like, Yeah, I, it was like I was never enough. Let's just be honest. I was never enough. And I was never going to be enough. None of us were ever going to be enough if we really think about it. <laughs> well, and especially if we have to be enough, but then also adhere to the rules or expectations of us. Yeah. And how can you be your full self when you're already trying to dilute that to, to fit yep. a certain image? Yeah. I read something in an article, an interview with you, where you said that Grant gave you a pretty pointed answer to the question you asked him of, why am I not working in country music? And mm -hmm. he said, because you're running from everything that you are. And, and that makes a you different. couple goals for him, his clear ability yeah. to see you and see the struggle, but also advise you to, to embrace those things that I'm sure he loves about you and what I think the world is coming to love about you now yeah. that you're in your truth. Yeah. That conversation changed my life because I was shutting out an entire audience that I was meant to sing for and sing to. Every single time I walked into a radio station and walked past that R&B station and went straight into that country station and completely ignored people that look like me. Every time I did that on radio tour, it never sat well with me. And I didn't understand why that was until I had that conversation with Grant. And I realized I not only have the power, it's a responsibility that 
if I've got the ears of people and the trust of people, I owe it to myself to bring other brothers and sisters that look like me up in my climb. Right. And, and that's important. And I didn't realize how important that was. I was being so selfish with my music and just trying to make it and, and trying to appease all of these people that didn't look like me. Mm. And it was debilitating and I didn't understand why. I didn't know why. I was just, I felt so out of pocket, out of space, out of place, trying to please people that didn't understand me. Right. And that didn't understand my story. But to your credit, you know, you're, you're being a little self-deprecating with all of this. Like I said earlier, the pressure around you and the expectation. And also, I think the genuine desire for capital to have you succeed as a black woman in country music, that was sincere. It was so sincere. And it's been really exciting to see you so triumphant this year in what has to be a difficult, heavy, exciting, scary ass time for you. (laughs) I, I am asking what you hope the climate's going to look like in a couple of years so that you don't feel the onus on you to keep having to deliver this message of unity and empathy in your music always, because there's so much more to you. So much more. Being a woman and being black. Yeah. What do you hope for country music in particular? Well, I hope that I don't have to continuously fall on the sword and speaking out on this. Mm-hmm. Like, not only is it difficult for women of color, it's difficult for women, period. Sure. <laughs> White women. Like, like, you know, being in this industry, you now know what it feels like to truly be discriminated against. Like, you're, you experience it every single day that you wake up. Blatant discrimination. And I would love to not have to have these conversations. Right. And to not have to to be the only one that's really, well, I'm not the only one, but one of the very few that are willing to have these open, honest conversations. You're definitely leading the charge in in so many ways. My goal and purpose and hope is that other women in this genre, black, white, whatever you are, can see that and realize that they have a powerful voice too that they can use not only when it comes to speaking out about this injustice but within their own personal careers Mm -hmm. as they're navigating these writing rooms with majority men who may take over your writing session and say you should write something like this i hope i can empower women and people and marginalized people to open their mouths mm-hmm. and express and say what they want. And then therefore they can have lucrative careers that opens the doors. I hope there's artists from the LBGTQIA plus community that can come into this genre and have careers and therefore open the doors for other people within that community. And there's just such a wide open lane and space for people that are different that we don't Mm -hmm. realize. And that's something that I would love to see within this genre. It would make us all a lot more money. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Come on guys. (laughs) You know, it would, it would enable so many more tours. So many other artists could have lucrative careers, which then could in turn them help other artists and, and giving them their platforms. And it just, it's a chain reaction. We love our boys. We do. We love our boys in country, but I feel like a lot of the glass ceilings that have been shattered have been women in recent memory. Like your CRS moment with what mm-hmm. are you going to tell her? It must have been so scary. And CRS, for those of you who don't know, it's called it's Country Radio Seminar. It's a week-long powwow of glad-handing with program directors and labels and artists and then lots of alcohol and just craziness. It's Mm -hmm. a way to get uh, program directors to play your music. Hear you out. And a couple years ago at the Ryman, Casey Musgraves made a huge splash by singing Follow Your Arrow, which was controversial. And it talked about 
people in the LGBTQ community. And I find it kind of funny that a couple of years later, this is another watershed moment where you're taking that same stage at CRS to voice your opinion on what it's like to be a woman, a woman and all the complications that come with that. But what are you going to tell her when she's wrong? Will you just try? And yet, those were such iconic moments, both of those, for the history of country music, but we didn't see airplay reflected on either of those songs. So what's the point? What's the big show that's being kind of put on? Because I read glowing reviews about both your performance in that setting and Casey's, and they couldn't really get arrested at radio. Well, I think Casey, first of all, she found her own lane outside of that. And you can only chase the support of radio for so long before you realize that no matter what you do, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So you might as well do what you want to do because you can only sit there and smile and bat your eyelashes and say thank you so much and sing your ass off in these conference rooms for so often where it's just no matter what artist is out there, they're going to tell you why they're not going to play it. They're going to tell you why it's not going to succeed. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just doing whatever I want at this point and trying to open a whole different lane for women, women that look like me and women that don't look like me. Right. It's shown time and time again that they aren't going to support women. Mm-hmm. It's, there's articles about it. There's blatant statements about it that have actually come out of people's mouths. Oh yeah, the Keith Hill salad gate thing when he likened women to the sparse tomatoes in a salad and then the other guy who talked about editing the playlist in mm-hmm, the late 90s. More... Yep. And you're like, well, that edit hasn't been corrected since the skills have tipped violently in another direction. Yeah honestly, there aren't a lot of women DJs at these country stations that I can think of. No, no. PDs, nothing. Mm -hmm. It's funny that the demographic that country makes all of its money off of, which is so many women, really, is not being given material from the perspective of those who consume it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you are more country than what you would consider as the contemporary country music out today because it's about truth. And that's why yeah. I, I want to kind of talk about your road to Nashville and, yeah. and and how country became the music that you wanted to pursue. So I grew up singing in the church. I think that's where a lot of us start. It's just, right, yeah. you know, worship service. Me too. I was in every, every thing that was church was my family. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot, (laughs) to be honest. I think I've gone to church enough for everybody (laughs) in country music, I think. But it started off there. And and how I even discovered country music was my grandmother. My grandmother loved Dolly Parton. So whenever I would go over her house, I would you know, when VHS tapes were the thing, Mm -hmm. my grandmother had Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton VHS tapes hanging on the back of her door along with still magnolias and fried green tomatoes Mm -hmm. and the Roots series on VHS tapes. So what did I do when I went over grandma's house? That was all that was there. So I would watch that and I would watch Southern movies and that's when I discovered country music and more what made me fall in love with country music was Leanne Rimes. I saw her sing the national anthem at a Texas Rangers baseball game and that freaking blew me away. I just remember this is even before blue came out. So Mm. I got a window into Leanne Rimes before Leanne Rimes was Leanne Rimes and her voice is just, you know, that and, and like hearing her sing the national anthem, I was just like, 
you remember she just sounded like a grown woman at 12 years old. And so that whole phrase, you see it, you can be it really rang true for me there. It was like, I saw that I could have seen anybody else. I could have, I don't know what artists I could have seen at that time. And I could have been like, Oh, I want to do that. But it was Leanne rhymes that I saw that made me fall in love with music. And in that time, there were so many amazing female vocalists at the time. Like, there from, really were. What I a, mean, a time. what a time. You had Celine Dion, you had Mariah Carey, you had Whitney Houston, you had Faith Hill, you had Reba McIntyre, you had Patty Griffin, you had Shania. Every, Shania, like, come on. You had all of these just crazy talented vocalists. So that's what I listened to. That's what I fell in love with. Like, I heard women on country radio, and that's what I love to listen to. Yeah. So it's no big surprise that there's so many of our peers who wanted to pursue country music. We were brought up in a time where they reigned supreme. Yeah. We saw ourselves and that was it. And so that's what made me fall in love with country music. But instead of me moving to Nashville right away, I, I moved to Los Angeles and I thought to myself, when I was graduating from high school, I was like, okay, well, where can I have musical opportunities? Atlanta? No, that's very much so an, an R&B urban world. I, not urban, that you can't say that word anymore. It's R&B <laughs> or rhythmic. Rhythmic, okay. Rhythmic music. Take notes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then uh, there was New York, which was like, absolutely not for a little girl from the South. <laughs> So I moved to California and I went out there and I went to school and I went to Santa Monica City College. What were you studying? I was studying business. I was studying business administration and business marketing. That's what I was kind of doing. So I know how to read spreadsheets and all that kind of good stuff. She's got a brain. (laughs) I got a brain, people. (laughs) I dabbled in a little acting. Like I did the whole like what you do in Nashville, I did in LA. So I dabbled in acting. I was doing background vocals for different artists, whether it was Patti LaBelle. Amazing. I even did something with Cheryl Crow, but she would never know. It was a project for Babyface. So I did a lot of background vocals with Babyface and for him. And so I was kind of just doing that and, and nothing musically was really coming my way as far as like the genre that I wanted to sing. And so I went through a horrible breakup and I was getting ready to move back to Texas because there just weren't any opportunities for me in LA. And I remember I ran into a random DJ that I never work with on the day that I was getting ready to quit LA, got fired from my job, one of my two jobs. What was that? So I worked at a a bar in Manhattan Beach. And mm-hmm. then I worked at a cigar club in Beverly Hills. I'm sure you met no entitled patrons at either of those spots. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. You, you learned some serious life lessons. I <laughs> Working think, in, in hospitality, you learn yeah. so many life lessons for sure. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to get my mom. I was surprising her for her birthday. And I ran into this DJ I met at, when I did a movie a long time ago that I'm not going to tell people because they don't need to know. Okay. Okay. I will push it. <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you outside yeah. of this so you can see. <laughs> and I remember he was like, Mickey, like, how have you been? I'm like, I'm great. He's like, well, what are you doing? And I was like, you know, music and working and going to school. And he was like, well, you sing, don't you? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, what kind of music do you sing? And I was like, I sing country. Not thinking this hip hop DJ would ever have any doors, connections. And he turned out he did. You never know. You never know. Mm-hmm. And he introduced me to this guy named Julian Raymond, who's now over at Big Machine. Right. Yeah. Julian Raymond was the one that discovered me. Just so I didn't know that. Yes. It was Julian Raymond who then introduced me to my management. My management introduced me to Mike Dungan. I sang for him in his office at the kickoff of CMA Fest of 2011. And he offered me my record deal that day. Oh my gosh. That was a long story, but it was a roundabout. No, not at all. I can't believe I didn't know some elements of that. And especially the, the fact that all of this happened in a kind of quick period of time with the potential career change or maybe moving back to Texas. And it sounds a lot quicker, but it was actually like a two year period. 
Right. Everyone thinks that yeah. it all happens overnight. <laughs> You're like, 13 years later, here I yeah. am. Just, <laughs> here I am, new. Just so, so exciting. And, and I think it is very true. You never know the origins of a great opportunity. And it's you never a hip-hop know. DJ who is able to connect you with the right people. Yeah. And at Capital, you know, it's been, you've been there ever since you moved. So that was 2011 that you signed. And yeah, I'm still there. And Cindy Mabe seems to be just one of your biggest advocates, which I think is really cool that she's one of the few female label execs in town, in the country world. And she's been really vocal about her support for you and her belief in you as an artist and your strength and bravery. And it's refreshing to see. I love her. And I think the reason why she has and supports me so much because her being a woman, her being in a high powered position within our industry, she still faces her own forms of discrimination. I bet. Like I've seen it. I've, I've personally witnessed it happen to her myself. And there's just this instant, like, like I look up to her so much, but we also have such a a close like eye to eye relationship because mm-hmm. we understand, we know what it's like to be looked over. We know what it's like to have to fight your way into rooms and garner the same respect as someone that doesn't even have a candle of the drive and sure and talent that you have. And it's a talent that what of what Cindy does. If we could all the world needs more Cindy's country music needs more Cindy's. I wonder what ripple effect that would create if there were more Cindy's at that executive level. I think it's going to happen. I think as long as we as the artists start mentoring, like I know we're trying to get our own careers off the ground, but mentoring other people and other young aspiring talent to keep that effect going, I believe that's how more talented women will be in this in this community is if we raise them ourselves, basically. Right. I remember the coverage of your ACM performance was so expansive. It was crazy. I thought everyone, it made me really happy to see genuine support from everybody, but I kind of couldn't help be a little frustrated that you were having to shatter this glass ceiling in 2020 as the first black woman at the ACMs, which is one of the biggest awards shows in the country music genre. So I feel like the complicated feelings that you must be experiencing this year have to just be like a constant in rotation, just between frustrated, sad, excited. How are you managing to just keep an equilibrium about it all? Well, it's the funny thing that you say that about the ACM performance, because when I walked off that stage, there was an overwhelming feeling of sadness on my end. Mm. I didn't know that it was a historical moment like that. I had you didn't, no you idea. Did not know. No clue. Do you think it would have been daunting had you known? It was already daunting, I'm sure. It was already daunting. And I was just sitting there and there was just so many factors in that room. There was nobody in there. You had to wear face shields and masks dressed in this beautiful dress just to get up to the stage. Mm -hmm. There were lines. There was all this protocol of where you could walk, where you could stand. And then to know that I'm given this opportunity, but there's so many other women that deserve this same opportunity that aren't getting it. Not just as me as a black woman. But you have to enjoy these moments that I are do. yours too, because that's what people so enjoy seeing is you taking this moment for yourself. I do. And I, I, I didn't take it for myself, to be honest. You know, I smiled and did the thing and oh my God, but internally there was a struggle. Like I was sad. I, I don't read any of the articles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't read any of them, to be honest, because I'm trying not to get distracted by the goals. And the goal is still, there's still so little women played on the radio. Right. Even after singing a song like that, even after having Keith Urban there, me writing that song was hopefully to, for these people to hear and think, I need to do better. Mm-hmm. 
and open these doors. It's not a question. Like there, there's so many amazing songs out there. It's mm-hmm. not about women needing to write better songs. That is not the case. Cause I've heard them. I've heard them even from you with your song 2020. That song is stunning by the Thank way. Thank you. Thank you, Mickey. I mean, just hearing it, like I want to put it on a record and play it on my little Crosley player just so I can I'll hear send that. you a 45. Please <laughs> send it to me. And, 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 and there's just so many, like I could name off so many amazing women that, that have the voice that have the songs. It's a total cop out for that to be suggested by anyone. And, and you, know, you know, Neil Portnow years ago at the Grammys, attributed the lack of women receiving awards to some suggestion that women's material wasn't as strong as the material the men were putting forward. And this is old news and it's, it's nothing's really changing. So Mm -mm. you said, you know, Casey's found her own lane to me, country music that I love is not I'm not hearing it on the radio. I'm hearing it no. from people like you. You have to seek it out. And Tyler Childers, who oh my god, I love him. is. I think everyone should watch his five-minute video about the last track on his newest record because it's put in plain spoken terms for people who really can't get outside their own existence and mm-hmm. and empathize with the plight of people who are parts of cultures that they don't know anything about. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it's working. What you're doing is working and it's country and it's inspiring. I just want to inspire women and people of color to create their own lanes, like those rules that have been set for us that we don't know who set these rules for us. They don't work. And it's important for us as artists to do the artist thing. Mm hmm. And then our audiences will find us. I truly believe that. I'm a testament that I tried to follow the rules for years and years and years and years and got nowhere. Mm -hmm. Nowhere at all. Like I got dismissed at a certain point. Like people didn't even consider me when I'd walk in a room and that's fine. That is perfectly fine. But once I started truly writing what was true for me and writing for an audience that I want to write for, did everything change? And you get looks from NPR and Washington Post and and these, I know you don't read these articles, which is smart because then you can can see your own vision. You don't have to see yourself the way other people do. But these are periodicals and and publications that know their shit and they don't they don't yield to the politics of what some other outlets might yield to yeah so it just feels exciting and like a new frontier and your legacy is going to be so much bigger than this moment i think because it's almost like a brand new start it really is it's wild we evolve and you're allowed mm-hmm. to, and it seems just like you've started a new chapter of your career as a musician. And there's this awareness that's heightened just about the role of black culture in country music that people are starting to like wake up to and they're like, the beautiful well, wait a museum that they're opening in Nashville. Yeah. Rhiannon Giddens, like she knows probably more about country music than, than any of anyone us. here. I think I'm hopeful because of people like you. And while the other emotions are definitely there and Mm -hmm. I have to say, like, I love writing country, but I got pretty jaded and I think I burnt out on- Didn't we all? Politics of that a couple of years ago, but it's exciting to watch now and it makes me hopeful for what will come out of this genre in years to come. Well, it's just watching like women like you and Margot Price and Casey Musgraves and Marin Morris and and these powerful, strong women that mm-hmm. are going completely against the grain. Right. And forging our own paths. Even Kaylee Hammock and and mm-hmm. forming forging our own path, I think that is the direction where everything is going. Right. <laughs> so people better get on that train or it's leaving the station. 
Yeah, get on the train and like, let's go have some fun. Like these are yeah. not controversial ideas. No. Equality, equality and, and wanting to be understood is not an offensive message or, or movement by any means. So equality and love and acceptance. That's like, all. Which side I are we going to fall on? And that's just been such a theme for us all collectively. But I think yeah. it's really a moment of reckoning for country music. So I, I hope that they continue to respond in a way that is adaptive and, and forward Same. thinking and like, let's move on. That's the side of history I want to be on. This album, Bridges, the EP, was something that you did remotely while you were in LA because of the pandemic. Yeah. And you had a producer in Nashville who was also a co-writer with you, a woman. What was her name? Karen Kosowski. Karen Kosowski. And she produced this from Nashville over mm -hmm. Zoom. And you were mm -hmm. singing like in your living room. You had to learn how to do all this stuff and mm -hmm. basically just belt it out in your own house. While there's protests going on. Right. And you find out in the midst of all this that you're expecting a child. And what are your hopes for this music? And I also want to hear about how you did this project remotely. Yeah. Like the technical aspect of that sounds like a nightmare, but also yeah. you did it. I'm very proud. We did it. It was like, I had zero intentions of making a, a project like this. Mm -hmm. I was just really like I had Black Like Me and What Are You Gonna Tell Her? I had those two songs. And I also had Rosé, this other song that I wrote. I love Rosé. Rosé. Funny story about that song is I wrote that song two and a half years ago. Really? And I played it for my label thinking for sure they'd be like, this is a song, let's go. Mm -hmm. And no, no, they didn't. Which song did they want instead? They didn't want any of the songs. Because it's been five years. They since... were telling me how this song wouldn't work. And it put me into a deep depression. And that's when I wrote Black Like Me. And that's when mm. I wrote What Are You Going to Tell Her? But at the time when I wrote Rosé, I knew... I was trying to, and I wrote this song as a protest song. People don't know that. But I wrote this song because I didn't see a lot of women having drinking country songs. Right. And the, of all the songs, that is a woman's drink mm -hmm. is rosé, you know? And, and the brunches like, just, and, the, and, the, and being the woman. And the, the brunches woman. and the green wall with the neon rosé all day on the back <laughs> of the sign. And I remember one of the radio guys um, at the label was like, I just don't know if this song will bring back Mickey and just derailed Mike Dungan even liking the song anymore. It was mm -hmm. horrible. And I realized like, I will never be enough for these people. Yeah. Because that song would have been so great. On, on any other, on any other, uh, if, if it were a white artist, a white mm -hmm. girl, they would have put that song out in a heartbeat mm -hmm. with pink and all the things. Right. It would have been that a, a brunch explosion. Oh, a brunch Instagrammable. explosion. Whole campaign. But me, it was like, it was thought differently. They didn't see it. And it was frustrating and very, very, very um, hurtful. And so then I started writing songs like Black Like Me. Not because I was trying to write it really for my project. It was more of like, let me get this out of my system because this is how I feel. Mm-hmm. What are you going to tell her? I wrote this year after going to a Grammy after party and just seeing even some of the biggest female pop artists like Billie Eilish and, and whomever else was in that room, Haley Steinfeld, and watching them and thinking, I wonder what they've had to go through mm -hmm. to just get opportunities within their field mm -hmm. is some of the, the thoughts that I was thinking. And it was hurtful. And so then on top of that, then the racial unrest and then the country shut down and I'm sitting in my room and I can, or my home, cause I live in downtown Los Angeles and I'm watching the protests go right by my window. Oh my God. Which were peaceful by the way. Mm -hmm. 
There were so many beautiful moments. The media was portraying such horrible things. There's way more beautiful moments than what they portrayed. And so I'm watching that and, and I start writing this project and I reach out to my label and I'm like, we cannot stop creating because we're in a pandemic. If anything, we need to run towards that. Let's, let's continue creating. And so I got with Karen and I got with women that I love to write with and we were writing on Zoom. It's so cool. And writing these songs and I was just literally inspired by what I was seeing outside of my window. And then it came together um, they were like, well, we want to release an EP. And I was like, okay, we'll release an EP. I have enough songs for an album, but we'll release mm-hmm. an EP. And we just started there. And, and even when we were visually trying to find what the direction we wanted this, I really wanted a black female photographer. Nice. And Who I was that? Felicia J.L. Munn is her name. She's so good. She is just fantastic. The images were beautiful and so you got to really take the reins on this. It, it was your choice mm-hmm. to have Karen producing, yeah, which is badass. And I even had, you know, guys being like, are you sure, Karen? Like, what does she have under her belt? And I'm like, I'm positive. She produced, what are you going to tell her? Yeah. I think she's more than capable of producing this record. Well, and these are your babies. I feel like you would designate this job to someone that you really trust. And I think you're thinking about things with this focus, like, mm-hmm okay, I'm going to have a black photographer. I'm going to have a female producing it. I'm going to have females writing it. Right. And it's also yielding a product that sounds and looks beautiful and you can completely own it. Mm -hmm. It belongs to you. It belongs to me. It all came from me and the people that I love. Yeah. Well, and you still work with, you know, Nathan Chapman, who's... Mm -hmm incredibly talented, both producer and songwriter. So you have these people who've been part of your story involved in Mm -hmm. this awesome collaborative EP that you put out, but it sounds like you're doing things quite differently when it comes to the packaging and, and the terms on which you're going to create this music. Absolutely. It just feels like you've gotten to this point now where all those rules are out the window. Would you They're say out that? The window. Absolutely. You know, all those rules are out the window and it's also time to make room and make space for other people that wouldn't necessarily get those opportunities. Like Karen deserved that opportunity. Felicia JL Munn deserve that opportunity. And it was from a different perspective. Like you can Mm -hmm. get stuck in the same cycle of the same people, which isn't Mm -hmm. bad by any means, by Mm -hmm. the way. Even the most well-oiled machine needs a tune-up though. Yeah. It needs a tune-up there. You know, um, Cam and, and this woman named Andrea are even putting together a spreadsheet of musicians from the LBGTQ IA plus community and black musicians that artists should start looking towards and even filling out their band to give Mm -hmm. other people a shot. Just there's a perspective there that you may be missing. That could be this missing link that makes your set that much better. Absolutely. That's so So, cool. Yeah. Where could people find that list? Um, They're working on it right now. And as soon as it's out, we will be handing, giving it to every management company, every label, any and every person that we know so that they can start and add on to that. Right. Sourcing this, this whole army of people who who have abilities to make this look more representative as it should to all the people who love country, which is a shit ton of people. It is. And that's kind of the motivation behind this project, behind my own music, is literally where there's opportunity, there's possibility. And so mm-hmm. opening these opportunities to other people, it lifts me up right. because I'm getting a totally different sound and perspective. And it's just lifting others, other people up. And I think that, that I think that's the blessing within the blessing. Like mm-hmm. God has blessed me with this opportunity. He's blessed me with these songs. And therefore all of these other people that are, are that are surrounding this project are being blessed as well and can bless other people. It's like this whole chain reaction. Like music is so, I know you said earlier, you know, but music is selfish. Mm-hmm. It is very, very selfish. All of us, like we have to be selfish to pursue these careers. Right. But taking out the where's my moment 
out of my thinking. You know, I was always wanting that moment. Where will I have my moment? Right. I took that out of my thinking and my moment is giving that moment to other people. I love that. You just articulated it beautifully. That is what you've been doing. And I, I bet you this is not fun to feel like you're having to, like even talking to me, we're friends, but it's gotta be, you have to be beleaguered to just feel kind of like you have to explain things to me or answer questions about. I don't have to explain anything to you, Maggie. Like you, you're a woke (laughs) one. So it's not like (laughs) that I am and I love you and I've, I've respected you since I got to become your friend so many years ago. Yeah, But you know, this is not necessarily why I think you got into music. You know, what does your grandma think today? Is she yeah. still with us? She's not. But she's so proud. And she is. She would buy every VHS with you on it of your ACM performance. And she lives, my grandma really does live through me. My grandmother, my mom was the youngest of 12 children. Mm. My oh grandma my was having, I know, like the movie Color Purple <laughs> is my grandma, okay? And wow. so one thing I learned about her at her funeral, it was beautiful. She was 92 years old when she died. Mm. And I even think like her spirit was at the funeral because I like, I was like, my grandma was my grandma and she knows I'm terrified of wasps and anything that stings. There were so many damn wasps at this (laughs) funeral. And so I was so more focused on that. So I couldn't be crying over my grandmother. But one thing I learned... Fear trumped your grief for She a did. Yeah. I'm sure my grandma was laughing from her grave because I looked crazy. <laughs> keep, keep Mickey distracted today. <laughs> yeah. Don't let her get too down. Yeah. And so... Scare her instead. <laughs> one thing I learned is, you know, my grandma was really, really, really poor. But any kid that came over to her house, my grandmother made sure that they had a meal and that they were able to eat. And... I carry that, I think, today, like... Giving your moment to others. You know, like, you're going to eat. You're going to have... You're going to eat today. Mm-hmm. If you're in my presence, if you're where, anywhere near me and in this circle, like, you are not going to... You're not going to starve today. Right. And so I, I, I take her around. Like, her spirit is definitely with me, for sure. I love that. And, and I listened to this two-minute meditation that you did Uh, talking about, uh, first of all, everyone should go listen to it. If you're feeling like you need an emergency de-stress moment, listen to Mickey's meditation about reflecting on those early moments in your Mm -hmm. life with your grandmother, where you were exposed to this great music that has definitely influenced and shaped your path since. But you describe how she would use her own clothes to make Mm -hmm. quilts Mm-hmm. for you all because she couldn't afford blankets, but that they were so beautifully imperfect. And it's just the sweetest, the songwriter in you is super apparent because the description in it is just like, I felt like I was there in her oh. house and I love it. I can just see how formative those moments with her they were. are. And when you describe her and her selflessness, we're ping-ponging between selfish and selflessness, but I yeah. think that you hold your music with deep care. Yeah. And and maybe that's what you're saying is synonymous with selfishness, but it's, it's it's precise attention to it, but you have done a beautiful job in realizing her legacy by being as generous with your experiences in your life and your empathy to others. I think she would be incredibly proud that you're, you're part of the face of country music. Thank you. So I'm really glad she showed you those tapes so many years ago. Me too. Yeah, go go listen to that uh, beautiful two-minute meditation thing if your life's a little weird right now because it's just so beautiful. Thank you. So Brandy Carlisle reached out and used her platform to amplify your music. And she's someone who I think I consider country music. Royalty. Royalty. I mean, she's... What has that been like to now have your network be so visibly larger and and star-studded than it ever has been before? And you feel that that's authentic support. It's authentic support and it feels beautiful 
Is it scary at any point though? It is scary because you're like, oh my God, I like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm nobody, you know? But at the same time, it's like, we're all the same and we all want the same thing. Like it's so much bigger than just your musical heroes at this point. Mm-hmm. because what this industry does to even the most most revered hero is criminal. So we're still, there's just this common, like, I don't know how to describe it. It's, we're, we are eye to eye mm-hmm. and we're fighting for the same thing is what I believe it feels that. like. And it registers with me for sure when I see you know? it and- it's not a bragging moment that so often we do on social media to be like, let's have a girl party and have all our famous friends together and blah, blah, blah. Like, right. Right. No, this is not these moments. And I Mm -hmm. appreciate when I see people that I look up to showing me love, it means a lot, but it means I need to fight that much harder. These aren't moments to brag and to be like, I'm so cool. These are moments to keep fighting and making it better. I hope that you are taking this moment for yourself. I know. I need to. It's, I it's haven't. It's crazy. And I've been so looking forward to talking to you because there is so much to celebrate about the level of success that you've now been able to achieve in your career. And I just hope that you don't feel like you are giving away so much of this moment that you've worked so hard to get to. I know. And, and I feel like, is it tainting your experience? Because there seems like a, a bit of a sadness still with you oh, yeah. when, when we discuss all of this. And I understand it, but I also feel like your hard work and your bravery and artistry that you've put into this music has earned you the right to enjoy the success that you've achieved to some degree. I need to. I absolutely need to. But it's really hard for me to, to celebrate these achievements when so many of my peers that I love and are dear to me that are just as talented as me that have just as great of songs as me are still struggling. Mm. It's hard to celebrate that. Like, it's like you should, yes, this is a great moment. Absolutely it is, but, but it's still not right. Mm -hmm. When do you think you will celebrate? What has to happen? When I see more women getting their success, then I will be able to celebrate. Amen. But try and have some serious fun. I know, <laughs> I know. That because I'm hopeful. I believe that it's going in the right direction. I'm just going to speak yeah. to the musical community in Nashville as a whole and the variety that's coming out of here versus in 2008 when I moved here and, you know, the apartments on Demunbrian were just a big parking lot and like yep, yep, good old boys yeah. club. Yeah. You know, there's rock and roll coming out of here. There's soul music. There's, there's so much pop music, pop music. I mean, yeah. And I think the amplification of those different sounds and voices is just going to get louder and louder. We have a right to be hopeful, but I have noticed that you aren't just leaping into the arms of this success with total joy because these songs came from a place of struggle. And until these songs get to take effect and push the world in the direction we want it to go, I imagine that it's going to be a bittersweet feeling for a minute, but you have so many beautiful things and and a baby boy on the way. And Uh, (laughs) so crazy. I'm so excited. What are your cravings? What are you eating? Well, you know, I was eating a lot of like croissants. Oh, that's fun. (laughs) <laughs> yes, croissants, anything citrus, lemon bars, mm. even like cocoa puffs, any of that kind of stuff. But now I'm like starting to eat pretty healthy uh-huh. because, you know, like the heartburn is real. It's real. <laughs> it is real. I mean, you I've heard, seen you a couple times during our conversation, Mickey's had to like Ugh. stop and stop and brace for the pain. Right now. The little man's a soccer here. player. Oh, God. So you're, you're eating healthy now and yeah. just getting the house ready. Oh my God, the nursery. We painted um, a couple of days ago, but. Oh. Yes. And we put together his changing table and crib. 
but we have a long way to go. <laughs> How do you feel motherhood is going to factor into your career and the pace at which you want to run? It's already a factor. And that's part of the other reason why I've had a really hard time celebrating, but nothing else really compares to that. Like you can have all of the success in the world, but a child is just not literally, it's the most humbling thing. You, I was ready, you know, when I was releasing black like me, yes, I'm going to get out there and my, I've been working out. My body is right. I'm going <laughs> to get out there and do these red carpets and performances and be great. And then a baby came. Right. It was like everything. Like I'm literally at the will of this child. Like right. I'm a host. I'm a host. You're a host. Mm-hmm. And the, I, like this isn't my body. Your first time performing at the ACMs. And- Pregnant. But you look so beautiful. You look absolutely you. stunning. You're just well, like, yeah, I looked a little different than I thought I was going to look. I very much so. I was expecting to be snatched and ready to go. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, and part of that is a blessing because, you know, the song, it's not about being snatched and ready to go. This, you know, like I'm a woman. Nothing can be wrong with you and Grant having a son yeah. who's going to be brought up right. Yeah. And loved. I mean, there's nothing yeah. nothing wrong with a child loved by their parents being brought into the world. There's always room for that. And showing that a woman can have a career and and still be a mother. Like that doesn't mean your life is over. Absolutely not. And and you've performed in these high pressure moments looking like pregnant as a beautiful <laughs> pregnant woman exactly that you are. But I'm just so excited for you. I love you, Mickey. And I, I miss you. you. I, I miss, miss you. you. I can't I wait to you. meet that baby. Oh my God. I can't either. It's wild. He's going to be a very lucky boy. And I think uh, in 20 years, he'll be the most respectful boyfriend oh. to someone out there. Oh, he's gonna Mama know don't how to, play. He's going to know how to treat him right. Yes. So. Yes, he will. Well, I cannot wait for all this exciting stuff to continue unfolding. And, you know, I respect you so much and love you. I love you. Keep putting the beauty out into the world the way you're doing and take us home. Lead the way. I'll lead us, girl. All right. Mickey Guyton, we salute you. Thank you so much for being on Salute the Songbird. Love you, girl. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap. You can follow Mickey at Mickey Guyton on her socials and be sure to tune in to the 63rd Annual Grammy Awards where Mickey has been nominated for Best Country Solo Performance for her song Black Like Me from her most recent release, the EP Bridges. And to keep up with me, my music, and my touring calendar, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at I am Maggie Rose. And you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash I am Maggie Rose where you can get exclusive Salute the Songbird content along with new music, live stream concerts, and more. You've been listening to Salute the Songbird on Osiris Media. The executive producers are Kirsten Cluthy and Brad Stratton from Osiris Media and Austin Marshall. And the show is edited and mixed by Brad Stratton. Original music by Maggie Rose. Please subscribe to Salute the Songbird on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. And if you like the show, please recommend it to a friend or leave us a review so that others can join the conversation. Thanks for listening, and to close the show, here's the title track of Mickey Guyton's new EP, Bridges. You're on your side, and I'm on mine, and in between this great divide, this fire in the street.
build the 